Welcome to the Naturally Nourished Podcast that delivers cutting-edge food as medicine solutions for optimal health. Allie Miller is a nutrition expert sought up by the media and America's top medical institutes for her revolutionary functional medicine interventions. From disease treatment to prevention, every episode will empower you with ways to put yourself back in control of your health. Please note, the topics discussed are for educational purposes only. Now welcome, Integrative Dietitians Allie Miller and her co-host Becky Yu. Welcome to episode 114 of the Naturally Nourished podcast. Today we are talking all about immune boost for you and your family. In today's episode, we'll be sharing the things I personally do in my household with Stella and Brady as foundational tools during the season and how we ramp things up based on symptoms and immune distress. Yes, and this is not technically a new topic, but I'm sure it's going to be a lot of fresh content as there are just so many layers to the ways we can support our immune system. Uh, But for a foundational approach, you may want to catch episode 68, where we talked about supporting your immune system naturally. We talked about what the immune system actually is and how it functions, the innate versus adaptive immune function, as well as autoimmune disease and approaches with food as medicine for cough and cold and flu. Um, But around that time, Stella was about one and a half. Um, So we talk a lot about ear infection prevention as well. And I know we've kind of gone deeper down the rabbit hole and you've got some new ideas for us this time around. For sure. But yes, definitely visit episode 68 for all of those things because today's kind of layering on top of that. And then another good reference episode is episode 77, where we dig deeper into the autoimmune connection of the immune system. Uh, It's called the stress autoimmune connection. And I share my personal story with autoimmune disease. I connect, you know, how stress drives influence in the immune system. We'll touch on that a little bit today. So definitely stay tuned on that. And then in episode 60, we talk about dysbiosis and the microbiome. And within that episode, we definitely talk about the influence of bacteria strains and how those impact immune expression. Yes. So as always, we have tons of content out there to support your wellness journey. Definitely check out those relevant episodes if immune health is a high demand or high need of yours. But today we're really going to jump into essentially why we get sick in the first place, the direct influence and the difference between a virus and a bath. Bacteria, um, lifestyle factors in supporting our immune system recovery, as well as those that are risk factors. And my favorite part, how you can support your system with practical application of food and supplement interventions. Yes. So you all know that I am all about that orthomolecular approach of mega dosing nutritional supplementation when in need. And the reality is that it truly works. So this concept, if you're like, what did you just say? Ortho what? (laughs) Uh, The concept of orthomolecular really was brought to light by Dr. Linus Pauling. Uh, He was the leading chemist in the last century and really arguably potentially the greatest American scientist ever, I feel, especially in the world of functional medicine. He's actually the only person who's ever won two unshared Nobel Prizes. The first was for chemistry in 1950. 54, the second for peace in 1962. 
And he's really just a fantastic guy. I first learned about him um, when I was in a functional medicine class at Bastyr University and Dr. Jeff Bland dropped that word orthomolecular. And uh, being in a functional medicine class at the naturopathic college was already very enlightening. And I was starting to figure out that this is what I wanted to do. But it really uh, shocked me. I, I mean, I had heard of things like, oh, vitamin C was used to treat scurvy. And that was like the first nutrient intervention that cured disease and was made like a one plus two equals three connection. But the way that he described the use of mega dosing supplementation to modify or influence the function of biochemistry and anatomy and physiology was just totally like mic drop mind blowing. And I knew I was totally hooked. So if we're looking at the work of Dr. Pauling, it's important to understand, and I, I want to give you guys this background a little bit because vitamin C, I think, is a huge nutrient we think of with the immune system. And the connection with vitamin C is that uh, most animals make their own vitamin C in quite large amounts, but humans over time with our evolutionary change lost the genetic ability to actually make or manufacture vitamin C. So it is a nutrient that we need exogenously or consumption-wise. We don't endogenously produce it. So Dr. Pauling's research suggested that high doses of vitamin C could be potentially a cure-all for many illnesses. In fact, he did a lot of studies on cancer and heart disease and has two awesome books. Uh, one is Vitamin C and the Common Cold, and the other is How to Live Longer and Feel Better. And so all of this, and yet the NIH states that one gram is the maximum amount the body can absorb or use and still really widely dismisses a lot of Dr. Pauling's findings. Yes. There were some really terrible studies done by the NIH that set up the RDA or the recommended dietary allowance at 75 to 120 milligrams, mm. milligrams, <laughs> like <literally> nothing, <laughs> literally nothing a day. Yeah. Um, and uh, they did state that, that the absorption caps out at one gram or a thousand milligrams. However, this is not true at all. In fact, the National Institute of Health themselves have a special interest group on vitamin C, and they're starting to awaken to the use of vitamin C in IV therapies and also these orthomolecular doses. So the idea of this kind of uh, saturation um, is has been antiquated with up-to-date studies. And really, ideally, there's this state of dynamic flow, which, which I think is really important as we lay the foundation of today's episode and the use of supplement strategy to actually heal the body or stop pathology of illness. So this concept of dynamic flow means that one should ingest more of a particular nutrient of need um, than is required. And the form should be divided in dose, um, dose supplementation. The extra ascorbate in the form of vitamin C, as an example, will flow through the body and it's excreted through the urine. However, it's not wasted. The excess will act as a reservoir. And when extra vitamin C is required, it's there available for use as need. So this dynamic flow is the closest way that we can get to really restoring our physiology to where it was before we lost the ability to manufacture vitamin C in our own bodies as most animals do to control disease risk. 
And then I know in clinic, we're generally going to dose up to what's called bowel tolerance. So it's what it sounds like, but let's talk about that. Yeah. So that's that (laughs) dynamic flow in a different way, right? (laughs) You're flowing. Um, (laughs) So vitamin C, it is osmotic um, and it's pretty highly acidic. So it can throw off other electrolytes in the large intestine, which can cause bloating and diarrhea. One way around this is using buffered vitamin C. And what buffered vitamin C is, is combining the ascorbic acid or the vitamin C with calcium, magnesium, and potassium. So when you add the other electrolytes, these minerals are going to reduce that acidity and make it more gentle or buffered, if you will, on the gut and allow the individual to consume or take in higher doses without having basically diarrhea or or loose urgent stool. The buffering also is going to slow down the absorption process, and that's going to increase bioavailability of the nutrient for 12 to 16 hours, which is three to four times the expression or bioavailability of just a standard ascorbic acid. So you get a little bit more of a time release expression. Your bowels can tolerate. And, you know, we find that this bowel tolerance concept with functional medicine works really well because um, when the body is sick, you'll often see that your bowel tolerance changes quite remarkably. So typically I dose starting at like two to three grams. Um, I'll I'll put a link to the product that I use and I'm actually considering private labeling it because I've been using it more and more in clinic, especially as like Stella's gone to school now and uh, varied needs that we'll talk about throughout today's episode. But generally a good quality, that's like a scoop. And um, we'll notice that on like a given day, that might be enough to kind of even work as a natural support for constipation for an individual. And that can be great like four to five times a week. But on times of illness, that same individual that had a somewhat loose stool for two to three gram may tolerate upwards of 30,000 to 40,000 grams. Um, And I don't go that high, but I will go upwards of 10 to 15, um, excuse me, 30,000 to 40,000 milligrams, which is 30 to 40 grams. I apologize. That was a lot of grams. (laughs) 30 to 40 grams, to be clear. I have never gone above 20 truly in my clinic, um, but I will pulse up to like 10 to 15 grams during times of acute illness. And it can really have a powerful influence on cold and flu. Okay. And that's still a really wide range of variability. Why do you find there's that big of a, a discrepancy, I guess, that certain individuals can tolerate more um, or during certain times? Yeah. So, I mean, everyone's coming at a different state of antioxidant depletion. So vitamin C is like the you know baby. We talk about glutathione being like the grand mama antioxidant. Vitamin C is like the little tiny building block of the uh, antioxidant world. And so based on the individual's free radical uh, overload, uh, based on their stress response and their immunological taxation, if you will, as well as their demand for things like collagen formation, right? We know vitamin C plays a role there. So um, everyone's going to have a different need of saturation, if you will. And that's what kind of bowel tolerance is going to yield where they're saturated and don't need to push beyond. And it's interesting because even the NIH, who's very conservative, um, they acknowledge that under high free radical demand, for instance, smokers, they say, need an extra 35 milligrams, which is really laughable. I know. I know. So again, you know, not even 350 milligrams, but still. That's not going to do anything. (laughs) 
thing. It's less than like is in a handful of blueberries. But anyway, they're still acknowledging that free radical connection as being increased demand. So, you know, adrenal stress, collagen formation and free radical uh, overload or toxic exposure is going to create individuals that will have higher bowel um tolerance, which means that they are likely coming at a state of more depletion of vitamin C to begin with. Awesome. So I think it's so interesting how the body just kind of knows essentially how to use what it needs and spills over and and excretes and gets rid of that excess. Um, And I think that opens up this whole world of knowing, you know, you need to vary your supplementation and listen to the feedback of your body and maybe pulse certain formulas in times of increased demand. So before we go on to other immune supporting nutrients, let's just talk about what that means. Um, And if you want to give an example, that would be awesome. Yeah. So this idea of pulsing is basically kind of higher doses at time of demand. It may be like three days in a row. It might be every other day based on the mechanism of action of the nutrient and the feedback or symptoms of the body. So really interesting actually in this concept of like saturation and need and and biofeedback, I had a podcast listener, not even a client, uh, email me and she said, hey, I started your multi-avail mama and um, for some reason the evening dosage is giving me GI distress. Um, I tolerate the breakfast one and the lunch one totally fine and the evening one I'm getting like bloating and a little bit of nauseous. And and I asked her, I said, well, what's your because I knew, you know, if anything, usually a multi that has a lot of minerals can cause some nausea in the morning, like if you don't have enough of a food foundation. Um, but the fact that she was tolerating it in the morning and the middle of the day, I asked her, you know, what other supplements are you taking in the evening? And offhand, I don't exactly remember. I think it might have been a probiotic, something else, like a fish oil. And then also it was definitely relax and regulate. And so I asked her how long she was taking the relax and regulate. And she said, oh, well, I know it can't be the relax and regulate. I've been taking that for six months and, you know, it's been, it's done wonders for me. And so I asked her about the symptoms that the relax and regulate helped her to address. And I had her hold the relax and regulate for five days. And she emailed me at day three and she's like, oh, well, it was the relax and regulate. (laughs) And she's like, so would it have been different? Like, was there a different lot or did I become intolerant to like, was there something different about one tub versus another? And I said, no, you are sufficiently restored with magnesium glycinate and inositol. And, you know, when you take that multi-avail with that, inositol in excess can cause that bloating and distension. And so you just don't need that compound and you kind of wait and see. And if after three weeks you're dealing with the muscle tension and sleep impact, try taking it every other day and then we'll kind of pulse back and forth or we'll find a formula that has just med glycinate. Um, So I just think it's really interesting, you know, something that might be your best friend as a supplement and has like changed your health history may not be needed at as high of a dosage or a frequency down the line as you correct and layer and change other factors. Yes. So just so important to stay connected to the feedback of your body. And if you don't tolerate something, there's likely a reason for it. Yes, Um, absolutely. So we kind of went down the rabbit hole there with the Linus Pauling (laughs) and vitamin C discussion, but definitely a fun and maybe necessary detour. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Let's dig into before we go into our immune boosting tools, which I know vitamin C will be one of them. Let's go back and start with why you get sick in the first place. 
Okay. Yeah. I mean, we don't have to talk all about orthomolecular. (laughs) (laughs) I just thought, I was like on a tangent when I was putting together notes. It's like, this guy kind of changed my life. I need to share this with people that are nerds like me. Um, So yes, why we get sick in the first place. So there might be the most obvious, which is direct contact. And it's important to note that you know, so direct contact with an individual that is sick. Um, and so beyond coughing um, and like respiratory, there's also touching. So it's important to think of, that's what we think of like, oh, airplanes mm-hmm. as being like a Petri dish or, you know, public places, especially where individuals are sitting at one place and touching multiple things for a long period of time. Um, so the first thing that we can do as a defense there is going to be good hygiene as far as, uh, you know, washing our hands first and foremost. Um, we may also consider oral or upper respiratory antibacterial and antifungal and antiviral compounds. And I'm going to talk later in today's episode about distinguishing those three. But to note with hand washing, I'm a huge proponent against antibacterial add-ons to soaps. So be really mindful that there has not been positive research on triclosan, which is the antibacterial agent added to soaps that are antibacterial or those gels that are used um, and have alcohol in them. Be sure that you just use straight up soap and water like a cast soap or whatnot, a soap bar, and just use good old friction and soap. And then if you're on the go and traveling, you might consider like a um, lavender essential oil. I'll put a link to one that I use in my purse, um, which I use with Stella and myself, and it's um, 99% antibacterial without uh, sterilizing the microbiome, which is of course super important. So direct contact and washing off germs, big piece of the puzzle. The other one we would look to is stress. So... um, When we know that we are dealing with chronic stress or stress demand, the immune system tends to get really overburdened. And um, the biggest thing that we can do is bring in adaptogens. So I'm a huge proponent of, again, Pulse Up, the adaptogen boost formula of mine, which has rhodiola, cordyceps, and ginseng. These three compounds actually all work immunologically as well as helping to reduce the stress access overdrive so that you can feel calm, cool, collected, and have that bubble wrap during times of high stress demand. And that means that your immune system is going to have higher surveillance activity to be able to detect and remove any bug or virus that doesn't belong. And then on a lifestyle layer, you may want to bring in yoga practice during this time, focus on things like gentle walking versus hit training, listening to music, meditation, as much as you could play with your dog, <laughs> ways to kind of chill out and balance out that parasympathetic nervous system, because that's going to really allow the immune system to do better work. Sure. And then, you know, obviously we have our stress supporting supplements. Let's talk a little bit about those as well. Yeah. So like I said, the adaptogen boost would be my first go-to because all three, the rhodiola, cordyceps, and ginseng, actually specifically support the immune system and reduce inflammation. Um, so that's a great one to be kind of a twofold. Reduces excess stress output, makes you resilient to stress demand, 
and supports the immune system directly. And then the calm and clear is going to be more of the one that's going to help with cognitive focus, concentration that has the L-theanine in there. And that's going to also calm us down under high stress demand with the nervines blended with the adaptogens. So you get a little bit of overlap there, but they definitely work in synergy, but a little bit differently. And then the relax and regulate would be the third one I'd bring in there. And um, that's going to be that magnesium bisglycinate and inositol, which is going to help to metabolize excess cortisol, help with deep restful sleep, which would bring us to the next focus. As we (laughs) see, if you sleep less than seven hours, you don't get the benefit of autophagy, right? So we need to reduce contact and clean our systems, reduce stress and support our stress tolerance, and get at least seven hours of sleep a night. Um, When we're getting that REM cycle of sleep and uh, we're getting that cellular cleanup, that again, surveillance system of the immune system, boop, 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 checks all of its boxes in the most efficient way. And it can upregulate the natural killer cells, which will identify and remove any uh, foreign invader. Awesome. And then another kind of chicken and egg relationship, I guess, would be um, nutrient deficiency here. So certain nutrients, if they're low in the first place, or certain nutrients that are in higher demand when we're stressed or when we're exposed to something. Um, Yeah. So totally both ends of the puzzle, right? So, you know, going back to my Linus Pauling vitamin C stuff, right? If we're connecting poor sleep and high stress, We have talked in other episodes that the vitamin C is highest stored in the adrenal gland. So that would be potentially a why. And then that vitamin C plays a huge role in immunological function, white blood cell rebound. Um, And so that would be one that could be at a deficient state under stress and at higher demand during chronic illness or exposure to um, a virus or bacteria. And then we think of as other nutrients, which we'll get deeper into today's episode, Zinc and selenium are big minerals of focus, Uh, fat-soluble vitamins A, D, and E. And then beyond vitamin C, looking at really overall antioxidant status, um, because there's a big connection to free radicals. And when there's free radical overwhelming the body, again, the immune system is less functional. So the more that we can provide and optimize the antioxidants, the better the immune system is at working. And I think that it's interesting that we think of cold and flu season as maybe being associated with the weather. But I find that it may be more that the diet takes a tumble from October till the end of the year. Uh, We see a lot of being overfed yet malnourished, meaning we're eating more calories, but less nutrient-dense foods. Um, And the diet is full of a lot more processed, refined carbs, more sugar. And we'll get into more on that later of the actual mechanisms of how sugar will put your immune system in a coma. It's pretty wild. Sure. And more alcohol consumption too. We'll, we'll kind of all do the, the same things. thing. So all the things. And oh sleep. Yep. <laughs> yep. 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 For sure. And travel and touching things and being in confined <laughs> environments and the list goes on. Um, so yes. Let's talk a little bit, Ali, about the difference, because I think this is so, so important, the difference between a virus and a bacteria or bacterial infections. I can't tell you how many times I have a client who comes in and says, oh, I had a cold and my doctor gave me a Z-pack. I'm like, no. Oh, Oh my gosh, I know. Yeah. So, you know, uh, viruses are 
single-celled microorganisms. They can live in varied environments. Um, you know, they can be aerobic or anaerobic, re requiring oxygen or not. Um, they can live in extreme temperature states. Um, and they often set up camp in the GI tractor lining. That's what we think of as the microbiome, you know, so they can help us set up, uh, digest food. They can help us to manufacture nutrients. And only about 1%, it's estimated, of bacteria cause disease. The other 99 plus percent are commensal or neutral or favorable. So, you know, we generally live in, in symbiosis or balance within as the host of the bacteria. But there are bacteria infections with that nasty 1%, which would include things like strep throat, which is a bacteria infection. Um, and we actually see, you know, when we're doing stool tests, often like streptococcus, right, which mm -hmm. there's positive and bad strains and neutral strains. So if we see that in overload, I'm often prescribing colloidal silver for that individual to have on hand and especially pulse in if they're noticing distress or soreness in the ENT area. So strep throat is a bacteria one. Tuberculosis, um, urinary tract infections are definitely a common bacterial one. And um, we definitely see that, as you mentioned, an inappropriate use of antibiotics have created a lot more bacterial resistance, which creates a difficulty for antibiotics to work. And that can put us through a whole gamut of sterilization of the favorable 99 plus percent just to try to hunt that 1%. So we do want to be stringent with the use of prescribing and taking of antibiotics. And viruses different from bacteria in the sense that they're, they're smaller than bacteria. They require living hosts. So they need to be living in people or plants or animals to multiply, whereas bacteria can thrive and survive on their own. And um, viruses are going to invade cells and actually take over the cellular mechanics and really redirect the cellular function to replicate or produce the virus. So viruses generally will run their course on, the, on their own. They're going to self-resolve. They cannot be treated by an antibiotic. So you're, you're just going to be hurting your immune system by taking an antibiotic if you have a virus. And really the only way to treat a virus if it's chronic would be with an antiviral medication. Um, or some viruses, of course, are addressed with the vaccine that would, you know, provide the immune system micro amount to inoculate and, and defend. And viruses that are common are things like the chickenpox, AIDS is one, uh, common colds, and um, flu. So most colds and flu fall under viral yep. versus bacterial. Yep, I think that's huge to note. So don't take antibiotics for a cold, guys. <laughs> yes. And I mean, it gets kind of gray. Like there are some things that can be both like pneumonia, ear infections, bronchitis, meningitis, and even, you know, diarrhea can actually be caused by bacteria or virus. Um, and really one of the first things we look at doing is how can we really support the immune system, which would address both versus potentially over sterilizing and working against the immune system if you're throwing a dart at the completely wrong board in the first place. And within supporting the immune system, letting things run their course means that we don't want to get so hypervigilant on fevers because fevers are one of the best ways that the immune system can combat a virus or bacteria. 
Yes. So watching out for overprescription of um, antibiotics and really supporting the immune system and, and supporting our, our good bugs in our gut, I think is a huge piece of the puzzle that we talked about in that last immune support episode as well. Yep. And, you know, unless you definitely know bacterial by a culture, like a strep culture that's positive or something like that, you would want to try natural remedies. So beyond working with the biome, that's what we're going to get into today's episode, is how can we use that orthomolecular megadose approach to make the immune system more powerful to eradicate either. And it can, the immune system on its own can eradicate both virus and bacteria. Okay. And then this is where, you know, stress regulation and sleep and nourishment are really key to allow the immune system to do its job and be in tip top performance. So before we even get into supplements that we use as tools, let's talk about just the basics of an immune supporting diet. Yeah, I think that's awesome. So it's always right. We always want to be preventative, and that's the most proactive way to, to be in thrive mode versus <laughs> constantly allowing a moderately weakened immune system to get something high, high, high dose, fight it, get something high, high, high dose, fight it, right? And just kind of play cat and mouse. So the first nutrient I think of as really focused is ensuring ample protein. And then within that world, keeping sugar out. I'm sure that's not the biggest surprise to hear out of my mouth, someone that's a huge proponent of ketogenic <laughs> diet and carb control, but um, let's focus on protein first. So protein is essential for immune support. Um, and one of the primary reasons is when we talk about antibodies, which are compounds that our immune system makes that help us to combat disease, antibodies are actually comprised or made of protein. So if you don't have sufficient protein stores in your body, you're not going to be able to produce as many antibodies and you don't have as much warfare to fight against bacteria or virus. And when we think about also the connection of protein-rich foods, a lot of them are going to have other immune-boosting nutrients. So if we think about like grass-fed burger or pasture-raised pork, um, and we're thinking about wild-caught fish, a lot of these are going to be rich in things like zinc, right? So zinc is going to be a mineral that helps us to produce infection-fighting white blood cells. And we see in research that mild zinc deficiencies can increase susceptibility to infection. We also know that you know protein-rich foods are very rich in B vitamins. So these play another way to boost energy, stress resilience, which can in turn help with the immune system. So you're getting a lot of bioavailability and nutrient density when you focus on protein in the diet. And then you're getting that building block for your actual immunological function. Awesome. And then I know when you say to limit sugary foods and excess carbs, you know, that's for obvious reasons like blood sugar metabolism and insulin, but let's talk about how sugar actually impacts the immune system and can cause things to go a little haywire. Yeah. So it both wrecks havoc in the microbiome in the sense that sugar feeds bad bacteria and yeast, right? So it makes us susceptible to dysbiosis or candidiasis, which can allow then the good army to be su suppressed so we don't have the good defense mechanism to help to combat and support our immune system. It can also itself cause disease, right? Because it can feed the bad bacteria that's gotten in our system. And we've seen in studies that 
sugar can actually put our white blood cells into shutdown mode. So there's an impact on our neutrophils. And um, this lasts for several hours. So if you're eating sweets throughout the day, like you're grabbing a, a sweetened croissant or donut with your coffee in the morning, and then a mid-afternoon candy bar, your immune system could be perpetually operating at a distinct disadvantage. It's actually going to be like shut down from sugar overload. So I really think it's interesting when we think of, like I said, Halloween candy <laughs> trickling in and then like things like the fudge and the sweetened foods and all the treats and cookies that are coming in high, high, high impact um, during this time of the year, that may actually be more influential than the weather and the influence that that plays on our immune system. Awesome. And then while we're at it, let's talk about the role of fat on the immune system, making sure we hit all of our macronutrients. Yeah. So protein (laughs) is important to power up the production. Sugar is going and carbs are going to shut down. Fats don't have as direct of a role, but they do, of course, lubricate our cells. And in that sense, they are going to enhance our cellular communication. So when the immune system sends signals, you're going to get a more beneficial expression of the communication of the immune system on a cellular level. And then also be mindful, uh, there's two more elements, I guess, that fat would do. One would be as a barrier. So, you know, our cell walls, which protect the contents inside our cells, are made up primarily. It's a bilipid membrane. So we have fat that creates the membrane of our fat of our cell wall, which is going to defend us um, more as a barrier. And then I guess the third thing would be that there are immune supportive nutrients that are fat soluble, like vitamin A. E and D. So having ample fat in the diet is going to help us to absorb and use those fat-soluble nutrients. And you could even extend this a little further and say, you know, the fats you choose, um, like olive oil, for instance, is a really good one to focus on. I think often, especially if you're doing a ketogenic diet, you maybe are focusing a lot on the saturated fats, like our coconut oil and our tallow and our lard, um, our butter, of course. But olive oil is an important one to keep in the playing field because you get that two for one as its function itself is actually antimicrobial, antifungal, and antiviral in the um, olive itself. So that, that plant compound, polyphenol, has antimicrobial, antifungal, and antiviral as it also helps to lubricate, enhance communication, and act as a barrier. That's a really good point. And I know we see a lot of like olive leaf extract, for example, in for sure. our immune supporting formulas, but the olive oil itself and then coconut oil, we've spoken at length about its antifungal and antiviral and antimicrobial um, activity as well. So y'all can go back to episode, I'll link it in the show notes. I don't remember. You're so good. <laughs> in defense yes. of coconut yes. oil. Like, like, I know, I know that. that just when I'm constantly I know, referencing I know. Like, <laughs> Is it dangerous? <laughs> just listen to this episode and look at all of the peer-reviewed studies that we've linked. Caprylic acid yeah. is awesome tool, yes. <laughs> yes. Or an antifungal and an antiviral. Yes, absolutely. Awesome. And then um, even within the macros we just discussed, there are going to be particular nutrients that are more potent immune supporters. So where does produce fit in terms of immune support? Yeah. And, you know, I think that this is like we talk about with studies on diet, observational studies and the the power of a plant-based diet. 
Well, obviously, I'm not a proponent of plants alone because you're not going to get that bioavailable protein, which is really the priority as the first line of defense. But once you've established protein, you've pulled carbs out and you're eating nice, balanced, healthy fats, it is super important to get five cups a day as a goal of produce. So I love to aim for two to three cups of green, leafy green vegetables daily, Great to get with your produce, antioxidants, vitamins, and minerals, and we're really going to get that support to reduce free radical exposure from our phytocompounds or plant-based antioxidants, which are going to, again, allow the immune system higher functionality. Awesome. So consuming a diet you know, within the principles of a, a naturally nourished diet, um, focusing on whole foods and doing either low glycemic or keto would be supportive of optimizing immune health. Absolutely, for sure. Okay. And then I know that you mentioned essential oils. I want to actually bring it back there with with lavender in hand rollers and sprays for travel. I use these little um, lavender wipes actually when I yeah. travel as well. Um, and I'll make sure we link to those. But let's talk about essential oils and how they work in synergy and how they can take some of those plant compounds we just mentioned and concentrate their properties. Yeah, so it's important to understand that an an essential oil might be labeled as antibacterial, but that doesn't mean that it's effective against all strains of bacteria, just like an oral antibiotic is, right? So like blending and synergy is the coolest thing about essential oils because they can be mixed unlike pharmaceuticals. So, you know, you're not going to take like um, ciproflaxin and um, penicillin in collaboration, right? But one is going to work on different pathogenic bacteria than the other will. Well, with essential oils, you get an awesome chance of killing off the pathogens in many and varied forms by creating a nice blend. And if we're talking about oral, there's um, awesome synergy in our candy activator product. Um, So we look at nutrients and when we are kind of putting that together and selecting it, We're looking at compounds. There's a whole table when you look into like books of naturopathic medicine and herbs. And, you know, some things are going to be like, for instance, lavender is antibacterial and antimicrobial, but not necessarily antiviral. Well, oregano, thyme, tea tree, sage, and lemon balm. Those are the top five that I know of that hit all three columns of antimicrobial, antifungal, and antiviral. So you're getting that kind of best return on investment and strategy of using those five as your go-to, oregano, thyme, tea tree, sage, and lemon balm. And this is why Candy Activator is amazing. So it's got all of those except the tea tree, right? It's oregano yes. time. That would stage, taste really lemon. gnarly. In yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> nope. Nope. <laughs> That's more, I yeah. diffuse it when we've got, you know, something going through the household, but I wouldn't necessarily take no, it orally. Don't orally take a tea tree. <laughs> but right, yeah, it has thyme, oregano, sage, and lemon balm. Um, so we're going to, we really actually named it as it's called candy activator, right? Um, for our dysbiosis and candida cleanse, but it is an awesome tool for immune health. I think it tastes really good. And um, it's also really fantastic specifically for upper respiratory. But again, be that it's antiviral, antibacterial, and antifungal, it can be wide scope on systemic immune support. Yes. Yeah, so beyond just a candida cleanse, this is when you could take 
during times of travel or just times of increased exposure to somebody in the office who's sick, um, how would you recommend taking it during times yeah, of so, illness? So during a mute, well, okay, yeah. So, so how about foundationally, I would suggest taking like one soft gel a couple times a week not daily necessarily as a foundational tool. Um, and then during times of illness, taking two to four. So like two at rise, two midday for like a two week run. And then, um, so that'd be four, of course. <laughs> and then you can bring that down to two daily for like the next four weeks. Um, and again, it's something you can kind of pulse up as needed. So it would not be inappropriate to, on a given week, take um, you know two at rise, two at bed on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you feel like things have calmed down, bring it down to one at rise, one at midday. And then, um, you know, the next week you might go off of it. But I think using it throughout immune time at about like five to 10 capsules a week is a really good defense because like we said, one of the big risks is exposure. And even if you are a Zen mama that is rocking out your stress support, we're all exposed. So it's great to have that as a proactive foundational tool as we're in cold and flu season. Awesome. And then, you know, it has the added benefit of preventing yeast overgrowth. So if you're getting into more of the sugary foods or more alcohol, it can kind of help to stave some of that off as well. Absolutely. Yep. And, you know, signs of that intolerance is not only bloating and distension, but you might get dermatological flares. So those of us that are prone towards like fungal and biome stuff, this is a great tool to have in your medicine cabinet. Awesome. All right. So now's the part of the episode where we're going to go into more interventions and all the fun stuff. But I think before we go on and let it rip, because I know we're going to have a lot to say, uh -huh. um, I'd like to have a word from our sponsor, CrowdCow. Yes. So uh, we were super stoked to bring CrowdCow on as our sponsor all the way through the end of the year. Um, they deliver the very best craft meat from farm to table. And the coolest thing about them is that you'll actually get to, it's like a learning experience through an eating experience. So you actually get to learn about the breed, the style of the beef and the farm, the independent ranch who was the producer of the meat that you are eating. You get to pick the exact cuts, you get to pick when you want it, and they deliver it straight to your door. And what I really love about CrowdCow is their mission. So their mission is to help people discover and access the highest quality craft beef and meats and to bring people together, farmers and consumers, families and friends. I just love that. Totally heartwarming. <laughs> <Wonderful>. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And um, something that's super unique about them is that they allow you the variability. Like if you're making a transition in your diet to grass fed, pasture raised, you have the opportunity to do both 100% grass fed, grass finished or pasture uh, raised, grass fed, and then grain finished. Um, and so, you know, we know that there's going to be highest omega-3 presence in grass fed, grass finished, but you're still going to get a higher amount than conventionally supported meat or grown meat in the pasture raised grain finished, but yet you'll get some of that marbleization. So they have a nice kind of spectrum of selection all the way up to like a baller meat, the A5 Wagyu from Japan um, and a particular strain that is fed olives. So speaking about <laughs> benefits on immune system, definitely going to get some really interesting buttery flavor in that. And it really is craft beef per se, in the sense that you not only are going to get something that is a high elite cut. Um, it's going to be high elite cow genetics. And then the production quality is really 
topping anything that I've, I've seen or, or heard of. So, so cool. And I love that it's not a subscription service. So it's not something that's going to show up at my door if I don't order it and I forget about it. Um, you can really handpick and, and choose. And this is a great one we talked about back in our holiday gift guide that you could do as a gift either to yourself or to a foodie in your family. Um, but this is a great way to know that the meat you're eating is ethically sourced because CrowdCow does believe in full transparency. Um, and for a limited time, we're offering free shipping in addition to $25 off your first order if you go to crowdcow.com backslash naturally nourished. And I'll link that in the show notes. Yep. So as Becky said, holiday eating is always tough. So treating yourself to something that's an indulgence, but on the savory end, you guys know how I always love to say channel savory, (laughs) indulge in really good quality meat. You know, 84% of the beef that's sold is from industrialized processes and companies that you probably have no idea how it reached you. And this is a really great way to put an end to mystery meat and connect the food chain direct to the consumer and really voting with your dollar, but getting the quality and the taste impact as well. Um, So you can treat yourself to guilt-free food at Crowd Cow with clean eating, full transparency, and um, I think that you'll have a hard time looking back. So go on (laughs) over to crowdcow.com backslash naturally nourished, and you will get $25 off your first order as well as free shipping. Awesome. All right. Getting back into immune support and hey, I mean, grass-fed beef is a great way to meet those protein needs like we were talking Absolutely. about. <laughs> All the things. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Um, but getting back into immune support and interventions, um, we just talked about essential oils as um, oral intake in terms of an encapsulated form. Um, but yes. what about as inhalants, like used in a diffuser or on the body? Yeah. And it's really important to respect the potency of essential oils. I'm not a fan of like adding like doTERRA or whatever brand, I don't want to brand bash them, but adding essential oils to your water because so many of them have pretty potent properties. You should really have, if you're doing essential oils orally, um, you know, a third party assessed caps encapsulated, as you mentioned, like our candy activator. And what you'll always have confidence with, with the naturally nourished supplement line is that they are third party assessed, meaning that they are tested by another company for potency and purity. So you're getting safe, effective formulas that are at a standard of identity. So I just want to call that out. Don't be orally consuming essential oils blindly. Not a good idea. (laughs) So what you can do more in your own household and home is use a diffuser or use them as an inhalant kind of like in the palms of your hands. So I love diffusers. Um, They really can help with stress response and they're great to keep just in the household in a couple rooms of your home. Um, They can be a great proactive way to protect the body from catching a cold, especially if someone else in the household is sick and they will help on an airborne level to kill off germs fresh in the air and boost the immune system. So I like to use blends of like eucalyptus and lavender. And then the other blend I really like is clove, orange oil, and thieves oil. That's more of like a spicy seasonal winter blend, but the eucalyptus lavender is like my very wonderful Zen evening. Um, and we have a, a couple diffusers that we put in our holiday gift giving, um, guide. And those are on the Amazon store of ones that I use in my home. 
And then the other way you can use them is as an inhalant, um, which you could basically just do a couple, a drop or two of the essential oil, rub the palm of your hands together, and then just cup them over your face and then just breathe deeply. And that's going to help to impact and get that into the respiratory tract there. You'll still get that antibacterial and um, potentially antiviral uh, property, depending on which formula you use. And then I like to use them on my shower wall. I like to dab them in my shower wall and that allows the steam to carry in the therapeutic properties and the steam itself with the moisture can help to thin mucus in your sinuses um, and that'll help them to drain more easily. So when we talked in that episode, was it 68 or 66, whatever that one was that we referenced in the beginning that will link 68, um, a lot about uh, ear infections and working with Stella, that's one of the first things we do to thin the mucus so that she doesn't get ear infection um, is those steam showers with the um, essential oils. Awesome. And then um, you get the added bonus with either a diffuser or um, doing the shower with steam of that like humidifying property, but we could also use humidifiers. Um, yep. As I mean, yeah, support. so humidifiers are great. And that's one of the concepts of like why we think we get sick because of the dry air with heat, you know, heat in buildings. I think it's because a lot of buildings that run heat, their HVAC is not clean. Mm-hmm. And so you're <laughs> blowing a lot of like mold essentially into the air, which distresses the immune system. But uh, yeah, dry air in general, like we all feel drier skin and things like that. So humidifiers are great to help with like bloody noses, cracked lips. Um, and they definitely help to uh, ease the symptoms of a cold or respiratory condition. You just need to be super mindful of keeping them very clean. Um, and you can add essential oils to prevent like the risk of black mold forming in them. So that's really important too. And then humidifiers on the other end of the spectrum are going to reduce humidity levels. So I know that Houston is definitely more humid than Austin. Um, I think still in the winter, it does get drier, but in a really humid environment, you might consider if you're dealing with illness, a deep humidifier, which is going to make the home and the building less hospitable to dust, mites, mold, and mildew. So that's another one. If you're dealing with chronic upper respiratory, a dehumidifier could be a tool too. Sure. Um, And you might use, you know, one in each season. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Totally. Um, All two seasons that we have here, hot and hotter. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, hot and hotter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So along those lines of mold and going even beyond the respiratory tract, let's talk about the role of the microbiome and immune health. So, you know, as we've mentioned in so many episodes that three to five cups of bacteria make up three to five cups, whoa, three to five pounds. Pounds. That's a lot of bacteria. (laughs) I mean, pounds are a lot too, actually. It might be three to five cups. Who knows? Um, (laughs) That's a lot on the scale. Um, But yeah, three to five pounds of uh, our body is comprised of bacteria. And, you know, this is what the microbiome is. The bugs that that line our ear, nose, and throat all the way down to our um, intestinal lining. And we know that they have a huge influence on our immunological function. So one thing we can do is up intake our probiotic rich foods. And I highly suggest during this time of the year, 
doing dairy-free probiotics because dairy can be mucus-forming, especially in kiddos. You know, yogurt seems to be the easiest uh, form of a probiotic to give them. Um, Kids may not be as prone to like adults where we can do krauts and um, especially spicy stuff like kimchi or pickled vegetables or kombucha and kavita and things that'll be maybe a little bit briny or acidic for young ones. Um, But I still urge trying to keep low of the yogurts because those can be mucus forming and that can be high risk for that stagnation in the ear fluid, which would create ear infection risk. So you might want to consider like my quick coconut yogurt that is a recipe in the anti-anxiety diet. That's an awesome option and super tasty and easy to make, hence the name quick. And then another thing that I've been doing with Stella this season are nut butter balls where I take um, nut butter and grass-fed whey. Now, grass-fed whey, because it's not cow's milk, is not have as much of the negative impact of dairy, and yet it has the positive benefit that you actually get immunoglobulins from our naturally nourished grass-fed whey. It's non-denatured, so you're actually going to be supporting the immune system in those immunoglobulin delivery. So I take a, a half a scoop of grass-fed whey with a couple tablespoons of like almond butter, And then I take a couple capsules of our Restore Baseline Probiotic, and I mix it all together, and I roll it into balls, and she eats those with her berries. Um, So it's a great delivery of fat. She's getting some protein, active immunoglobulins, and probiotic all in a dairy-free-ish delivery. And if your child has a cow's milk protein allergy, then you could do uh, collagen peptides as an alternate. Awesome. And we talk a lot about the influence of dairy back in episode 68 as well. So I would say link back to that for sure. Um, if you know, you're concerned about ear infection and, and, uh, probably keep dairy out during any kind of mucus formation. Yeah. And, and adults too. I mean, for sure. So, you know, pull it out of your coffee. If you're doing keto coffee or an intermittent fast, I would just do coconut oil and I'd skip that grass fed butter, pull out as much dairy as you can until that phlegm really gets out of the system. And then just a shout out when we're talking about kiddos and toddlers, uh, especially babies, um, be mindful that breast milk is not included in cow's milk dairy. And so breast milk is one of the best ways to support the immune system and prevent ear infection. The sucking um, movement essentially actually in that latch helps to provide that clearance in the the buildup of fluid. And then we're getting those active immunoglobulins, um, the human milk oligosaccharides, probiotics. Um, And so that can be a really powerful, beneficial tool for babes. And also really cool, we talk about this in our episode on breastfeeding. I don't know the number, but if you search on our podcast, Breastfeeding, remember that there's vacuoles in the nipple that pull babe's saliva and your body, this is just so cool. Your body manufactures a different type of breast milk based on your child's need. So cool. So, so I know. cool. So awesome. <laughs> I love it. Okay. Um, so I love that nut butter ball idea as well. Super convenient. Obviously not like briny, vinegary. It's more of like <laughs> a sweet taste that you can combine with, like you said, berries or apple slices or something like that. Um, we'll yeah. have to make sure that we get that up as a, a blog post, Stella's nut butter balls. Um, but before yes. we go on, um, let's just talk about all three of the naturally nourished probiotics. Cause I get this question a lot from clients. They're like, I'm on the green one. Why am I on that one again? And yeah. um, we've got yeah. three different probiotics in our line. So let's just talk about them. 
Yeah. So I mentioned for Stella, I use the Restore Baseline Probiotic. This is 15 billion CFUs or colony forming units of lacto and bifido bacteria strains. And that's her, as it sounds, baseline <laughs> formula. Now, if she's dealing with upper respiratory distress or illness and symptoms, I'll also layer on half of a capsule of the Spectrum Probiotic. That's the green one. Um, the Spectrum is called Rebuild Spectrum Probiotic. And this is going to be, instead of a 50-50 blend, a wide spectrum, if you will, of varied strains, including Saccharomyces boulardii, which has antifungal influence and also support for the upper respiratory system. And with antifungal, it also means anti-mold. So really beneficial for like bronchitis or inflammation in the respiratory tract. Um, and then giving us that wider spectrum of immunological support when the immune system is at risk. Um, and so if she's dealing with phlegm, mucus, we're blowing her nose, she's doing a half of a spectrum and on average about one of the Restore Baseline probiotics per day. And then the targeted strength is just four times the potency of the Restore Baseline probiotic. So if you're dealing with a sterilized gut, um, if you're under high stress, which sterilizes your gut, <laughs> dun, 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 um, or if you're finishing up a cleanse, or if you're dealing with inflammatory bowel disease or digestive distress, you're going to need the targeted strength probiotic. Me personally, I take the targeted strength and the spectrum probiotic, one of each at bed, and I've been nonstop since uh, my C-section with Stella when I had some GI distress following that. And um, I noticed the variance if, if I'm off of both of them for more than a two-day window. Um, but I'm sure as we're more than two years out, I can start to play with using that restore baseline and, and pulsing back and forth between that targeted strength. But the chronic stress, I'm a little worried that I'm, I, I need that extra <laughs> dose. Yeah. You might. <laughs> yeah. We both might. All right. Um, so beyond probiotics, let's talk about other elements of supporting gut integrity. I know we've talked about bone broth at length, but let's bring it yes. in again because I think this is Why such not? an important one, especially when you're feeling under the weather. It can be such a good tool. I know. And how many dollars would you have if every time you ask a patient, how are you doing with drinking your bone broth? They all said yes. <laughs> right? <laughs> oh like 50-50 batting usually. They're like, mm -hmm. eh, I fell off or I was doing good. So, you know, it's so important, both microbiome and gut integrity, because it, it, our immune system, like I said, resides in the gut. So it's called the GALT, the gut-associated lymphatic tissue. And um, when we support the biome or the bacteria to work favorably, that's one piece of the puzzle. The other is supporting integrity of the structure or the gut lining, if you will, um, which is where bone broth and gelatin come into play, as well as on a supplement form, our GI lining support. So bone broth is fantastic multifactorial in the sense that Research studies have shown that it helps to enhance white blood cell activity. It also has NAC or N-acetylcysteine, which helps with upper respiratory function. Um, and bone broth itself, especially if it's a nice salty broth, which it all should be, is going to work as an expectorant, which will break up mucus and phlegm. So awesome kind of trifecta. You get the expectorant properties, you get the gut integrity properties, and you get the N-acetylcysteine um, and white blood cell response. So that's one that as a foundation, I would say six to eight ounces, four to five times a week ongoing. Now, if you're sick, I have clients pulse up two quarts a day until they kick it. So, you know, that's one that can definitely be pulsed up. 
Um, and then beyond bone broth, I like to kind of get a synergy effect with gelatin. And I'll put a link in the show notes to my elderberry gelatin gummies. They're delicious. Um, and they also have more vitamin C added from lemon. And so they're an awesome after school snack. Um, I do them in like Lego molds and fun stuff for Stella. And a great way to toss away if you have any of that Halloween trash still sitting in the household, toss all that, trade it out for elderberry gummies. And to note, homemade elderberry gummies are different therapeutic than what you'll buy from like the Unka brand or whatever, which we'll talk about are literally like flushing your money down the toilet. Oh man, <laughs> just not there in terms of potency, I'm guessing. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Okay. And, and bone broth with kids real quick as a caveat to that. Yeah. You can use it as a puree for soup. So I'm still working on Stella with bone broth um, and I'm not probably ever going to add it to a smoothie. I just can't palate that myself and imagine that being delightful. So I'm not going to trick her like that. She does really well with gelatin. We cook vegetables in bone broth, but I'm going to work on um, our tomato soup with her, which is dairy-free. It uses coconut milk as the cream and it's really tasty. And I think that that would be maybe a little bit more child-friendly. Totally. I've used bone broth. I won't do it in a smoothie or shake yet either. I'm not that brave, but I keep hearing no. people talk about it. I've used it in our um, cucumber avocado detox soup though, which would be more of yes. like a summer soup Blender and it's soup. really nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Easy. Anything like yeah, that. <laughs> totally. Savory. I'm not, I'm not yeah. putting in anything yeah. that has berries. Not no. happening. <laughs> All right. So now we're starting to talk about, um, you know, kind of stacking on the nutrient density. Um, let's talk both about um, insurance policy for kind of just hitting our basic micronutrient needs. And then as discussed with Linus Pauling, the orthomolecular approach of what you can pulse up during immune stress. Okay. So foundation is obviously a quality multivitamin. So you want to find a quality multivitamin that has chelated minerals, methylated B vitamins, and um, good synergy approach. Um, so the two base ones we would recommend, the Multiavail Kids is an awesome one. You can start at age two um, and really at 20 plus pounds. So you could even start at like 16 months, um, 18 months, I suppose, like a year and a half. Um, and the Multiavail Kids would be a great foundation. Every kiddo that's in school needs to be taking a multivitamin. I'm just kind of non-negotiable about that. And, and even homeschooled kids, everyone should be taking some form of multi. Um, and then multi-defense is our go-to foundation for um, adults and um, even could start at age like 15 upward. Um, actually, I think age 12 and upward would be fine to start the multi-defense. And you would do with iron for cycling women, women that are having their period, otherwise without iron, or if you have a history of anemia. And then women of childbearing age, especially with interest or goals of uh, fertility and or breastfeeding. Remember we talked about in our episode on women's hormones and birth control. If you're taking oral birth control, you're dealing with a lot of micronutrient depletion. So those individuals should be taking the multi-avail mama. And you want to be taking a prenatal at least a year before conception optimally. So multi-avail kids, multi-defense, or multi-avail mama as your insurance uh, foundation based on where you fall in the lifestyle or life cycle, I suppose, is where that would be. Awesome. Okay. And then what about vitamin D? We always hear about this one as a big immune supporter, especially with things like autoimmune disease, but maybe we don't Definitely. think of it as one to pulse up during times of immune right. stress. 
So yeah, vitamin D has hormonal and immunological influence for certain. So baseline of at least 2,000. I keep most clients at my 5,000 I use, which is going to be the uh, vitamin D balance blend capsule that we have in our line. Um, toddlers and children during cold and flu season can go 800 to 2,000 I use. So, you know, you may see in Journal of Pediatrics, 400 I use, but that's quite insufficient. And my functional medicine pediatrician um, said for Stella that we can pulse upwards of 10,000 I use for three to seven days in times of acute need. And I got to tell you, we did that and she didn't fall over the cusp of getting sick. She had some green colored, um, you know, nose uh, sludge. <laughs> uh, she's blowing her nose and had, yeah, green boogers and all the things. We pulsed up to 10K for uh, five or six days, I believe it was, got over the bell curve and we're, we're back into rock and roll mode. So um, in adults, um, you can pulse up to 50 to 100,000 IUs for three to seven days in time of acute need. And again, adults being at that base of around 5,000 IUs, generally speaking. And then vitamin C, as I said, buffered is going to enhance bowel tolerance. So like two to three grams can be a good base um, during cold and flu season or immune distress. And then you might pulse up to eight to 10 grams per bowel tolerance during time of symptoms of immune distress. Okay. Awesome. And we'll link to our favorite vitamin C formula um, as well as all of these other supplements that we've spoken about. And I'll make sure we include in the supplement notes uh, or the show notes, both the baseline dosage and the dosage to pull, pulse up to um, during times of distress. So yeah, for sure. Beyond nutrients, let's go into um, some herbs and other food as medicine supporters. Yes. So we talked about elderberry and it's definitely one of the top antiviral herbs on the planet. Um, it's been shown to help with symptom reduction for cold and flu, as well as helping with the, the, the side effects of like nerve pain, you know, the achiness that we get, we call it like flu ache, inflammatory processes, and then ear, nose, and throat, allergies, and sinus issues. So um, I recommend the Gaia brand, which we'll link to in our show notes, um, which is a higher strength. Um, you do need to have one to two grams to actually have a functional influence. So for Stella, I do a half teaspoon about four to five times a week, providing her a gram um, during immune season. And then we do one full teaspoon twice daily, like when we were pulsing up that vitamin D to the 10,000 I use. We did one full teaspoon twice daily during that time when she was under immune distress. Um, so during that time, she was actually getting four grams a day. Um, and there's a lot of research supporting the use of elderberry and often if taken within 48 hours of exposure, the duration can be shortened and the rebound of a virus can be widely regulated where you may not even feel the actual getting sick. It's like the risk of getting sick without flipping again over that, 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 uh, bell curve, if you will, or flipping over the, the light switch. So elderberry is a great thing to have in your pantry and on hand, and you can do a base dosage. Um, you want to be mindful of those lozenges I mentioned were 12.5 milligrams. Um, and like I said, you need at least a gram to be effective. That's a thousand milligrams, right? So the syrup in a teaspoon gives you 1900 milligrams. And I had someone buy another brand that they showed me. I, I forget if it was nature's way or whatnot. It had a decent dosage, 
but it was a higher amount of volume that needed to be consumed. So I think it was like two teaspoons instead of the one teaspoon um, for maybe around 2000 milligrams. And um, yet the nutrition facts showed for one teaspoon. So they were comparing sugars um, and it was a hidden sugar. Like maybe they used maltodextrin, whereas mm. the Gaia uses cane sugar, organic cane sugar. Um, and so they were like, oh, well, I'm keto. So I wanted to pick this formula, which doesn't have added sugar. And I was like, well, see that ingredient? And it might've had glycerol and then maltodextrin. I was like, both of those are sugar. And if you look at the, the comparable dosage and you're dosing yourself at two grams, you're actually getting, you know, eight grams of carbs instead of the four. So it is important to always look at that kind of mechanism and um, the bioavailability and dosage when we're comparing products. Yes. And I think there's so many more elderberry. This is becoming really buzzworthy. Um, there's so many more yes. products on the market. So all the more reason, guys, to check your labels and at least cross compare to the one that we'll link in the show notes to make sure you're getting comparable dosage. So, so important. And that's a big one too. Um, there's been a lot of studies about prevention of colds and viruses with travel as well. So like before yep. I get on a long haul flight, I'll do elderberry just for a couple of days before yep. and a couple of days in. after for sure. Yep. Like three days in, three days out. Yep. Totally agree. Yep. yep. Mm-hmm. Awesome. What about uh, Manuka honey? I think this is one a lot of people are talking about these days too. Yes. So, and I honestly didn't know too much about it until I prepared for today's episode. So I knew raw unfiltered honey was actually antimicrobial and antiviral. Um, and so, you know, they're, they're using honey. Like when I was doing my herbal medicine making, we would use it as like nature's bandaid. Mm-hmm. We always had raw honey in our um, bag and it would go on a cut or something like that. And, um, you know, we know that honey can help as an expectorant, especially if you're doing with like warm water and lemon, very soothing for the throat and helpful for ear, nose and throat. Manuka is a plant that, like I mentioned with the oregano and lemon balm and thyme has all three influences of antimicrobial, antifungal and antiviral. And so Manuka honey is raw and filtered honey that uses the Manuka plant And there's actually a lot of hospitals in Europe, and I found a lot of published research using Manuka honey specifically to fight bacteria-resistant staph infections like MRSA um, and um, a lot of bacteria resistance. So I think that that's a powerful one. Um, I found an awesome one that we are going to buy. I'll let you guys know how it goes, but I'm going to add it to my Amazon store. Um, Upon researching, this was the the best product that I found out there with good third-party assessment of actually ensuring you're getting enough of the active compound because it is substantially more expensive than just raw honey that you'll get like at your farmer's market. So cool. And I've always heard about its topical benefits, but that's pretty exciting about, um, you know, being able to fight those, those MRSA infections. Totally. And then I think last in the vein of like foods, oregano. So we talked about that with the candy activator product. Um, and as an essential oil, as an inhalant, but oregano is one that we can awesome uh, also bring into our kitchens. Um, and so doing this, like I have a recipe in the anti-anxiety diet, my bacteria battling chimichurri, where it has olive oil, copious amounts of garlic, and then it has oregano leaves as well as basil and other, um, you know, Italian herbs, but oregano's volatile oils are going to help to support the healthy microbiome while creating healthy immune response and then killing off the invaders in the system. 
awesome. And we'll link to the anti-anxiety diet if you guys haven't checked it out yet to get that. Uh, yeah, <laughs> now I've dropped two. What I said, my quick coconut yogurt, all the rest yeah, of these are yeah, flowing. Yeah. Awesome. And then garlic is one we've talked about, I think, in the last immune support episode. But let's hone in on that as well because I know you use a garlic oil with Stella. Yeah, so the Mullen Garlic Oil by Herb Farm, I'm a huge fan of as uh, to drop into ears. It's not oral. It's to be used in the ears and really fantastic for an early or moderate ear infection um, or really anything ear, nose, and throat distressing. So even if you're just dealing with mucus and phlegm as an adult and you're not worried about an ear infection per se, this is very powerful um, because it has the antimicrobial, antifungal, antiviral, and it really targets that area of ear, nose, and throat. Um, and yes, in episode 68, I talk a lot about using it um, and how to support for ear infection treatment. So definitely listen to that. Awesome. And I actually purchased that recently and started using it myself. So not just for kids, but for me, right. whenever a cold is showing up, it starts in my ears first. So if I can use that and like nip it in the bud and not get it on my pillowcase, I'm in good shape yes, <laughs> and exactly. won't get sick. Awesome. Yes. Um, so I've always got that on hand along with um, candy activator for upper respiratory, but let's talk a little bit more on a few more food as medicine tips for immune support. Okay. So we got the nut butter balls, the potentially, I think it'd be fun to even play with adding raw and filtered honey to that. I have oh, yeah. it, but that might work for kiddos that aren't broken up with sugar and <laughs> need that to get good synergy there. And then, yeah, we'll definitely throw our bone broth uh, recipe support, the gelatin gummies, the bacteria balancing chimichurri you have to get the book for. Um, but really any way you can incorporate, as you mentioned, garlic and olive oil in your savory options work really well. Like a marinade even is a great delivery. Salad dressings is a great delivery. And then one that we haven't hit on, I would um, just call out finally is tea. So um, tea is going to be, especially if it's organically grown tea, really rich in antioxidants and polyphenols. And these are going to protect the body against cold and flu. Um, there's a lot of research studies highlighting the EGCG and how that antioxidant itself can inhibit the growth of cancer cells without harming our healthy tissues and really upregulate the immune system so that it can inhibit a virus's ability to replicate. Um, so a really good offensive strategy to defend the body, if you will, during cold season. Um, and we've seen a study by Harvard where they looked at people that drink five cups of black tea for two weeks. They had 10 times more virus fighting in and interferon, um, interferon in their bloodstream um, than people who had a placebo hot drink. And then the other piece of tea that's high in all tea, especially green tea, is L-theanine. And y'all know that I'm pretty obsessed with L-theanine. That's the amino acid compound that not only supports the immune system, but it also helps those alpha brain waves. So if we're dealing with lack of sleep or high stress demand, it's going to help us with concentration and focus and reduce stress response, um, as well as depth and quality of sleep. So I guess beyond even like the adaptogens that we talked about in the adaptogen boost, that's another reason why the Calm and Clear supplement would be a great tool during the immune time that you might pulse up. Like maybe if you're taking three a day, you might take four or six 
um, if you're feeling you're under a time of immune exposure or distress, because you're going to get that L-theanine as well as the stress relieving nervines like the lemon balm and the chamomile and the valerian. And remember, lemon balm itself has immune supporting properties. Awesome. And I'll make sure that we link to a matcha latte recipe in our show notes. I know that personally, if I feel like I'm coming down with something, I do not want coffee like anywhere near right. it. It's very drying to the throat um, and doing mm-hmm. something like matcha or um, we had a zippy toddy, I think it's called, or immune supporting toddy on the blog as well. That might be a nice one for us to link. Yes. Made with There's tea. a blog article with, I think it's three immune supporting liquids, which one is that stress um, busting steamer with the adaptogens. So we'll link that blog for sure. And that's featured in the anti-anxiety diet as is matcha gummies. So another fun thing to get like a two for one. I always love getting synergy with food as medicine. Awesome. Awesome. And then I think the last one and personally one I (laughs) always have a lot of fun with, it's like a a breaking bad (laughs) at home experiment where I have like goggles and gloves when I'm making this, but our master tonic is something that I make multiple batches of throughout cold and flu season. Yes. A part of my birthday gift this year from you. (laughs) I was like, I would like a bottle of the master tonic please. And uh, my dad and I were shooting it all over Thanksgiving. It was fun. Um, So yeah, um, this combines probiotics with the Bragg's apple cider vinegar, you know, the mother, if you will. So you're getting probiotics. You are going to be getting um, the spiciest peppers you can find, horseradish, garlic, onion, ginger, turmeric, basically all of the things that are antimicrobial, antifungal, antiviral, in a potent, potent dosage, and it's fermented to really work the synergistic uh, properties of all these compounds, and you take it like an ounce a day. Um, and so Master Tonic, you could take like a couple times a week, maybe once or twice a week during the season, but you would take like two to four shots a day when you're dealing with actually onset of illness until you get over the hump. Yes, and it's freaking awesome. If you do that, you will not get sick. Almost guaranteed. <laughs> I know they, they say it's eradicated the plague. I, I think know. for sure. Hey, it works for me. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe let's just punch through as sure. we go into closing. <laughs> like if you're sick, this is what you need to do. And I'm guaranteeing we'll do this as our like promo image because I think very helpful for everyone. Um, so I would start with uh, something we haven't mentioned, which is considering the super turmeric to help to relieve pain and alleviate the symptoms and the inflammation of the fever without hindering the fever so that it can run its course. Um, always, you know, you want to watch out for considerations of inflammation in the brain with fever. So you want to monitor fever and contact your medical professional if it's at risk, um, you know, going above 101 for an extended period of time. But super turmeric is a great thing instead of an NSAID at time of illness. And that's going to help with the body aches and the inflammation while supporting the liver and the immune system. Um, I would also pulse up, as I mentioned, vitamin D to, as an adult, 50,000 IUs for five to seven days and 10,000 IUs for five to seven days for kids. I would pulse up vitamin C to bowel tolerance for five days, probably falling around five to 10 grams. Um, I would bring in that shot of that master tonic, two to four shots a day. I would double down on the probiotic I'm currently taking and definitely add in that rebuild spectrum, which has the wide scope spectrum, 
one twice daily, one at rise, one at bed for at least a two week window. And then maybe keep in one time a day through the rest of the season. If we're still vulnerable, I would ramp up, as I mentioned, to two quarts a day of the bone broth for at least that five to seven days. And then keeping that six to eight ounces throughout the week um, as a baseline. And I would bring that elderberry up to two teaspoons twice daily for adults or one teaspoon twice daily for kids for that five to seven days. And then down to the one teaspoon and the half teaspoon for kids um, about four times a week or so as a base. And then the last one we haven't mentioned, um, which we'll link in our show notes, is colloidal silver at 10 parts per million, about three times a day during time of illness. You can use that as a nasal inhalant spray or as an oral throat spray, depending on kind of where you're more affected. Um, But about 30 ppm um, during times of acute illness. And then you could also use that spray a couple times a week. I always travel with that. And I'll do just like with the elderberry, kind of a low dose on either ends of the spectrum. Yeah, I was going to say on a plane, I'm like constantly, if someone's coughing around me, I'm spraying that down my throat like the entire time. Um, totally. So we'll make sure all of that makes it into both our Instagram and a blog so that you guys can gather that information all in one place. Cause I know it's a lot. Um, and then just a <laughs> couple of quick elements, I think of just general like lifestyle support and coping with illness as well. Yeah. So I think the warm beverages are definitely a novelty. Like I said, the stress supporting steamer and that zippy toddy is awesome. Especially I like to add a shot of bourbon or whiskey to it. And I don't even like whiskey, but when I'm sick, I like that to, I don't know if it's part numbing, part expectorant, but I definitely think there's a synergy (laughs) within that lemon. (laughs) Yeah. Lemon, ginger, coconut oil, hot water, and a shot of bourbon. (laughs) It does the doctor well. And then um, we're looking at adding onions and garlic to as many meals as possible, really, to get that immune supporting benefit. The essential oils in the diffuser or as an inhalant. Um, Playing with maybe either a humidifier or vaporizer for that congestion or stuffiness that we need to break up or dry out, maybe dehumidifier. Um, The uh, neti pot is a great tool or a sea salt nasal spray also for stuffy nose. Uh, And same thing for kiddos. There's sea salt based saline nasal um, drops or spray, and that can be really helpful. And then aside from the warm beverages, using cold to cope as a temperature like ice chips, uh, popsicles that are low carb and dairy free and lozenges. Um, you can actually do really good, uh, lozenge, which I'll, we could put together, um, raw and filtered honey and slippery elm as an herb rolled together as a lozenge, really great to coat and soothe the throat and then gargling with good old fashioned salt water. Really funny. Um, Brady was dealing with a cough and a throat thing. And in the middle of the night, I like elbowed him and I was like, dude, Go downstairs, and I think I said gargle salt water. He says I told him to drink salt water, and I told <laughs> I told him a ratio, and I could hear him downstairs going ah. And he, and he took two teaspoons of salt water and hot water and chugged it. Oh no! So that's like so, a funny household joke. Did that yeah. work? <laughs> I, I mean, I, he's not sick. I don't know. Okay. His poor electrolyte osmolity, osmolality was probably off, yep. but uh, I think he had diarrhea the next day. Oh, maybe. my gosh. Um, <laughs> yeah. Gargle. Don't swallow yes, your yes. salt water. And then using like compresses and the steam, as we mentioned, too, all of that working temperature to cool and warm can be helpful. And um, just keeping the mucus thin and moving is a really important piece on the, on the lifestyle support. 
Awesome. So all these ideas are so, so helpful. I know I personally am going to restock my pantry, um, especially with upcoming holidays and travels um, in case my immune system needs some support this year. As always, thank you guys so much for listening. And if you want to check out any of the supplements that we mentioned today, you can go to AllieMillerRD.com backslash podcast and search immune also on the blog um, where we'll have posted various articles that have been written throughout years of of clinic by Allie, um, including some of the awesome recipes and beverages that we talked about today. Yes. So as always, thank you for listening. Um, Take a moment to go over to iTunes, leave us a five-star review. And if you have the anti-anxiety diet book, please go over to Amazon and leave a review. When you guys leave reviews, that really shares the food as medicine message beyond this active community and allows others to learn and um, really get empowered to optimize their health with food as fuel. Thank you for listening to the Naturally Nourished podcast. Visit our blog at AllieMillerRD.com for recipes, wellness tips, and food as medicine meal plans. Connect with Allie and Becky at AllieMillerRD on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Until next time, stay nourished and be well.